fun to do something completely different. And, uh, completely different. And I wanted some help with it uh, from my better half. Uh, this morning, we want to talk a little bit about marriage. Um, and we're, this is, uh, again, completely different. And like a marriage, um, we're committed to doing this this morning in the <laughs> format that we've chosen, for better or for worse. No matter what, whether this bombs or whether this is really fun and enjoyable and insightful, uh, no matter what, for better or for worse, we're, we're committed to doing this. So um, we've been married, just a little background and why we wanted to do this this morning. Um, Brooke and I have been married, I would say happily, for about 15 years now, as of September the 18th. Um, thank you. <laughs> I got one. One clap. Yes. <laughs> 15 years. And... Uh, and we've, we're, we've been really blessed. We have a really fantastic relationship. Um, she's my best friend. I enjoy spending every moment with her that I can. Um, Haven't gotten tired of each other yet. Yet. <laughs> um, but we, have, we get asked quite a bit from uh, friends and, and acquaintances, you know, how, 15 years is a long time, and, and how, do you, how do you do it? And uh, so we thought it would be fun to share with you this morning uh, some things that we have found to be true in our own marriage and some things that we have worked through. Um, we, we tend to, some people would even call it fake, I, I would imagine. Um, on the surface, it looks like we have everything put together and we're always in sync and we're always happy and that's not always the case. Um, but to those that would say that it's fake, I would challenge you to build your spouse up publicly and work out the kinks behind closed doors. Don't air your dirty laundry out in public. Um, And I think that's something that her and I both feel very strongly about. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like everybody, we get on each other's nerves at times. I get cranky. She gets cranky. We get, you know, we have our, we have our moments just like everybody else, but we try to keep that, um, keep that private between the two of us and work those things out behind closed doors, because I love, this is the woman that I love, and I want to build her up. I want to protect her name, her reputation, her image, um, and and the same goes for her for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've made that mistake, you know, I've, or I've accidentally made that mistake. Uh, I think I said something about Facebook and the house being clean, and you took it like I was dogging you, and I was like, I didn't mean to do that, I was, I didn't mean to do that, that's not what I meant, you know, and... It happens, and, it was a, and we, made, we both make mistakes, and I think that giving each other grace for those mistakes is a very big part of it, yeah. you know? So. so this morning, less less of a sermon, more of an informal conversation, um, in a nutshell. That's kind of what we're up to. Um, babe. So marriage. So we kind of did a, a little research on what marriage is and what people see marriage as. We came up with a couple definitions. Um, Marriage is picking one person out of 7.5 billion to put up with for the rest of your life. Um, Marriage is texting each other, do we need anything from the grocery store over and over and over until one of you dies? (laughs) Marriage is stacking and packing the trash until one of you gives up and takes it out. I don't ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage is a deck of cards. Uh, In the beginning, all you need is two hearts and a diamond, and by the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. (laughs) 
That's more my kind of marriage. <laughs> so, um, as I was doing some research on this, and you know, you know, looking for you know bi- biblical references and and things like that as to what I what I felt like what we wanted to put across, I kept on coming across the same word in the scriptures that I kept finding, and I was looking up, and it was the word bearing or bear. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And it kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. It's, you know, it's bearing with that one person. Like, I'll bear with you this burden. Or I'll, I'll bear with you through this, you know. But it's bearing with that one person, loving them in spite of their flaws and shortcomings because they're doing the same thing for you. <laughs> you know, bearing through that. I just thought that was funny. I was like, that's a funny word to keep coming across. Bearing, bearing, I'm bearing with you <laughs> through it. Um, in Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And all jokes aside, um, it does, I mean, that, that is what marriage is. It's bearing with one another. It's choosing to commit to somebody and and. And to, at times, bear with them. Um, I'm a bear to live with sometimes. Um, just this morning, I mean, oh. we were planning to come here and speak about marriage. And just this morning, I was, I hadn't had any, any coffee yet. And we can was... blame it on the coffee, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and she had to bear with her bear of a husband. Um, so we're, we're talking specifically about marriage this morning, but... A lot of these these principles apply not just to our our marriage relationships, but also to our like any relationship with with anybody, with uh, family, friends, uh, coworkers. A lot of this stuff is is true uh, because it's it's less about the relationship and more about how you approach it as an individual. Uh, so the first thing we wanted to, to talk about this morning is apologizing the right way. Um, I'm getting better as. Time goes on, and as my wife is training me, you're doing you're doing really good. Um, but I, I for the longest time, I've done a really poor job of apologizing, and, and in particular, if I didn't feel like like I did anything wrong, it doesn't necessarily matter whether I'm right or wrong. But if I have either intentionally or unintentionally hurt someone else, the right thing to do is to take ownership of that and apologize. Um, but my apologies would go something like. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry that you didn't like what I did or what I said. I, I, if I was wrong, then I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you did this or you did that and it upset me and this is why I reacted the way I did. I'm sorry, but you were wrong too. And these apologies, they're not really apologies at all. You're, you're shifting the blame from yourself back onto the person who you're apologizing to. It's a way of, of um, trying to basically appease the situation but get out of taking any responsibility for it. And that's, that's not right. And for the longest time, whenever we would have a, a disagreement or a fight or I would hurt her feelings or whatever, I, I would apologize in one of these ways and she would yell back, that's not an apology! And then the fight would start all over again. But the truth is, I knew in my head that the right thing to do was to apologize. Uh, but the pride that I had wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. My pride wouldn't let me admit that I was in the wrong. 
even though I knew that in order to fix and remedy the situation, remedy the fight, to, to patch things up and to make up and to restore our relationship, I had to apologize. An apology with a butt clause is no apology at all. So my advice to you this morning is to get your butt out of it. Mm. <laughs> pride has, has no place in a marriage. Um, pride has no place in your, your, your life. Pride has no place in your, your relationships, your friendships, uh, but particularly in your marriage. Uh, Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty or prideful, but humility comes before honor. And I really like the way that verse um, can be applied to our marriages. Um, if, if unchecked, pride will destroy a marriage, and an unapologetic apology is, is just one example of that. Uh, but humility comes before honor. If I'm humble and I sincerely say, I, I hurt you, please forgive me, that, that, that causes a response in her that, that says, okay, this, he's, doing, he's doing the right thing. And, and she can't help but respond in a way that honors me because I've taken that step of humility and have honored her with my apology. Um, it's a this this honor thing is, is kind of a natural byproduct of of humility, um, and there's lots of other verses that talk about that. So in your free time, study that out. It's really really good. Yeah, and you know, and the the humility part of it, you know, that that can be in every relationship that we that we have, not just in marriages. Like just treating people with humility all around, I believe, is something that our society is lacking. Um, and I, I always apologized whether I was wrong or not, just to end the fight. Like, I hate arguing. I hate confrontation. I hate... She was a chicken. She knew I'd win. I, <laughs> because he'd always go, oh, I apologize if I hurt your feeling. That's not... Start all over again. <laughs> well, I, I... I know, right? Um, but I... I I would just try to end the fight. Like I, I just I despised arguing. I despised fighting. You know, let's just you know. I'm sorry for. Um, let me pick something out of the hat. You know, to end it. <laughs> you know, and that that you know, which was also wrong. That wasn't the right way to handle it. You know, and it says in Colossians three thirteen and fourteen, bear with each other and forgive one another in. And any of you has a grievance against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And I just need to apologize. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with this. For always taking away that need to apologize to me <laughs> first. I, I robbed you of that Fair joy. And, I'm a, and I am sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sorry if I took that away from you in any way, shape, or form. But that's, that's really good. Um, if any of you has a grievance against someone, uh, there, there's other scriptures that, that talk about going and talking to that person. So if you are offended, somebody has done something that, that hurts your feelings, they may not even recognize it or realize it or know it. And so it's, it's important that you go and talk to them rather than letting that, um, that root of bitterness take hold in your heart. But find um, the balance where you're not easily offended. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, which kind of goes along with our, our, next, our next point. Pick your battles. Mm -hmm. um, Brooke is really good about picking her battles. Um, 
I'm pretty tightly wound and uh, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, like I said, this morning I was a bear getting out the door to come to church to talk about marriage and I was crabby <laughs> and she didn't, she didn't push it. She just let me do my thing and had a few sips of coffee and then I got over it and I was fine. Well, he made me my coffee, and to turn the subject, I thanked him for making my coffee. <laughs> See, she knows how to pick her battles. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and he gets particularly edgy when he's hungry. <laughs> um, I, we call it hangry. And, and a lot of times in conversations, I'll be like, what have you, have you eaten yet? No, well, call me back after you eat, okay? Because <laughs> you're hangry right now. Um, so we know, we know each other, but, um, when we were first married, we fought a lot and it wasn't because we didn't have anything in the pantry and he was hangry all the time. Um, right. We had food. Yes. So that really doesn't work for that. No. So you weren't hangry all the time, but I was a bottler. Like I would bottle it up and I wouldn't say anything. And I'd be like, it's fine. Which we all know is not fine. Right. Guys, fine does not mean fine. (laughs) I'm sure most of you know that it's not fine. Um, but I would bottle it and I would bottle it and I would hold things in. And then pretty soon I would bottle something over something small. And then all the little things that he would do would drive me crazy. And then we were, you know, cause I was still hanging on to that one thing that I should have talked to him about weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's too much. And it just, I blew my lid and I was, you know, mad about everything that you've done over the past six months, you know, and like never spoke with him, never communicated, but that's just kind of how I was. I just bottled things up. And so I, you know, I would hold on to it and that wasn't fair to me and that wasn't fair to him, you know, and in Ephesians 4, 26, it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold of the devil. And I promised myself, and I promised him, like, after it had a huge blow up, you know, I mean, if you can imagine it, me mad, <laughs> I mean, really, um, but I, I promised him, I was like, okay, you know, from now on, if I still find myself upset the next day, I will say something to you. So I'll sleep on it, I'll let the emotions settle, and then I'll talk to you the next day. And go um, well, yeah, it's, I, I mean, that seems kind of counter, counter to what the, the scripture verse that you just read, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Um, but I don't think we, for us anyway, for our marriage, it, it doesn't work to apply that verse literally. So if you kind of boil that verse down and, and think about what it, what the Bible's really saying, it's saying, don't, don't bottle up your anger. Don't hold on to that bitterness. If you're upset with your spouse or with a coworker or a friend, don't, Hold on to that and let that root of bitterness grow. Deal with it. Address it. And, and the way that, that we found works for us, um, it, 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 and it, we really haven't had to do it that many times, but if she's still upset about something the following morning, we talk about it again. And we found that by, by waiting, by not trying to, to figure it out and deal with it in the moment, in the heat of the, the, the debate or the argument or, the, or whatever, in the passion, by waiting for all that emotion to kind of settle out of it, you can approach it again a more, with a more objective, rational mindset. Mm-hmm. The emotion's gone, so you can deal with just the facts. And wow. That was a good catch. That was savage. <laughs> Got it. Good catch. 
That was cute. Um, we, we, sometimes we feel like that as adults. It's right. <laughs> she came in. She wasn't waiting. <laughs> but don't, don't let time pass with anger in your heart. Deal with it. Address it. Mm-hmm. Talk to the person about it. No matter how uncomfortable you feel about it, because you have to be able to... And, and, and if you open up that, that course of communication, if you open up that door, it's easier to communicate bigger things that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. Um, but picking... That's, that's kind of part of picking your battles, you know? Pick, it, picking the right time to battle. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it's not in the heat of that that passionate moment, that heated argument or whatever. It's it's waiting and letting things cool off before you address it. Um, another aspect of uh, picking your battles, Brooke and I heard this fantastic quote one time. You can be right or you can be happy. You can have peace or you can have justice. And if you're the type of person that always has to be right, um, he could have been a lawyer, people. I'm just saying. He if you always have to be right and always have to win, um, that that kind of goes back to that whole pride thing. Um, always having to be right is a form of pride. And if you can't admit that you're wrong or can't let someone else win, that causes contention. That causes arguments and fights and strife in your household and, and in your you know workplace and with your friendships and. Um, there, there are. I, and again, this, she's really doing a good job training me. Um, Thank you. <laughs> That's the best. For I, I, I'm tightly wound. I um, inherited that from somebody that <coughs> I won't name. Um, but there is a specific way to do things, and if you don't do it in a specific way, it's wrong. And the dishes are a perfect example of that. If you load the dishwasher and the forks and the spoons are all pointed every which way, it's incorrect. And I would go and I would be huffing and grumpy and throwing stuff around in the kitchen and fixing the forks and fixing the spoons and complaining at the kids. (laughs) Oh, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. (laughs) The dishes get clean. Right? I mean, they, it, the silverware comes clean. Yeah, I prefer it one way, but that doesn't mean that my way is the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, folding towels. I grew up and you fold it in half, in half, and in thirds. Well, my kids started folding towels, and it was fantastic to have the extra help with chores when they were, were getting a little older. Um, but they didn't fold them right, and so I would refold them. It, and you got to, if, if unchecked, your neuroses... Mm-hmm. Will absolutely <laughs> cause That's strife. That's what we should have it. added on here is the neuroses. Yeah, but it's pick your battles. What's more important, clean dishes or which way the forks are pointing? Or peace in the house. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Peace, peace over always being right. Um, number three, not all marriages look the same. Um, just because your marriage doesn't look like ours or our marriage doesn't look like yours, doesn't mean that, it, that we're doing it wrong or that you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's seven and a half billion people on the face of this planet, and not any two of us are identical. Um, we all have unique things about us. Um, and because each of us is totally unique, we each have a unique walk with God. Um, I believe there's some absolutes when it comes to our salvation, 
some things that apply to to each of us if we have um, a relationship with God. And I think Jesus summed it up really well when he said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you, you boil all of that other stuff down in our walk with God and the things that we need to do can be found in that one scripture. Um, but because each of us is totally unique, and we all have different personalities, and we all have different life experiences, and we all have different uh, quirks, that plays out a little different in each of our lives. Similarly, when you pair up two unique people, you end up with a very unique marriage. And just because it looks different from somebody else's doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, as long as the, the important things are there. Um, what works for one marriage may not work for another, but the constants are true in every marriage, love, sacrifice, commitment, faithfulness. Um, but there are variable components that meet, make each marriage uh, make, unique. And I, I, when I'm, Brooke and I were talking about this yesterday, um, paint came to mind as an example. You mix red and blue paint and you get purple. And you mix yellow and blue paint and you have green. The outcomes look very different, but it's still paint. And it'll still cover the wall or, um, you know, cover the sign or whatever you're doing. It's still paint. It still accomplishes the same thing, but it looks very different. Um, yeah. Yeah. You've handled that fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Building one another up is important. <laughs> you're doing a great job. No, but I, I, I think early on in our marriage, we, we kind of wrestled with that a little bit. Um, I had a great example of marriage growing up. Um, my parents have a fantastic marriage. Like um, honeymoon phase for like... It's gross. 30-something years. It's gross. Even when I came around, I was like, whoa. How long have these guys been married? Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> but um, but things that, things that work in, in their marriage don't, don't exactly work in ours. Um, no. And not to... <laughs> <laughs> not to highlight flaws or anything, because this is just how we are. But, um, you know, my, my dad likes things very neat. And... Yeah. <laughs> everything... <laughs> everything has a place and everything belongs in its place and my mom will I, I mean their house is pretty much always really on point yeah. and my mom scrambles around to make sure that things are clean and put away and I love my wife and she doesn't do that mm. and when we were first married that was a, a sticking point with us because in my mind this is what a marriage looks like. And the house is always clean, and the wife has always got dinner prepared. And by five. By I'm early. like, I work till six. How can I have dinner on the table at five? And it, and it took us a long time to figure out what... That didn't work in our marriage. That didn't, that didn't work mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. um, both of us, I mean, we're too busy going and running and doing... Our house for us, and I apologize if you ever pop by and our house looks like a dump... It's, it's, it's our landing pad. It's our, or our launch pad, rather. It's, pad. it's where we, we grab our stuff for the next adventure, and then we're gone again. We're hardly ever home. Yeah. Um, 
And so that whole, you know, neat, tidy thing, that happens a couple times a year, really. I mean, when we really get stuff cleaned and organized. And because we have help now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that helps. It helps. Yeah, the kids are growing, and that's, that's they help. helpful. Yeah. Um, well, that, you know, and when I was growing up, like, we, we're business owners. We are entrepreneurs. Like, my parents own their own business. Businesses. And businesses, like, multiple. And we were always gone. We were always going. We were doing. We were, we got home at 7 o'clock and made dinner at 8 and then went to bed. And we woke up and we did it again. You know, and we cleaned on the weekends. But now we're gone on the weekends. So that doesn't work for us. <laughs> you know, and my, we were always working and it was a family thing. We were always going and doing and sometimes we had to divide and conquer and mom took me to softball and dad was at work or vice versa, you know, and so we, we just were, we're busy, you know, whereas he grew up in a home where, you know, Nana could stay home. You know, Mama Ty had the, you know, the privilege of staying home with the kids and so it was, it was very different dynamic, both fantastic. Like I, both great. Yeah, neither one was right or, or wrong. That's it, just it, the way it was. And, and as we, sorry, as we grew, we just found what worked for our marriage and it didn't look like what worked for other marriages. Um, we're still working it out. We're still, <laughs> we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but it looked very different for us. And so it, if if you like look at somebody else's marriage and you say I want a marriage like that I wish that it was like that don't um, don't judge your spouse and don't judge yourself mm-hmm. based on comparisons with others yeah um, just like I was saying when we first started we we really do have a fantastic marriage mm-hmm. um, but it's not without not without issues not without well not issues isn't the right word but not not without spats and quirks and things. It's not without work. Work. It's not without work. Um, and you may never see that. We're kind of giving you a peek behind the curtain today. You may never see that from the outside looking in, um, but it's there. Uh, so don't don't judge your your own marriage, your own relationships based on somebody else's, uh, because just because it looks different doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Um, my last uh, last point this morning. Um, you have to row the boat in the same direction. First uh, Corinthians one ten says, "Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing; that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined in the same mind and in the same judgment." Now, Paul was specifically speaking here to the church in, in uh, Corinth, but the the same holds true for us and, and can be applied to our marriages. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, if uh, two, two people are better off than one, uh, they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone, uh, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And I've got your back. And I'm not a cuddler. She's not a cuddler. <laughs> So we can't keep warm because I'm not a cuddler. No, not a cuddler. <laughs> Sorry, I should have struck that part. Three. Lying close together, I'm not a cuddler. Three, <laughs> Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. A, a triple braided or a three-strand cord is not easily broken. And I love that because you've got wife, husband, and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
you've, you've got to be of one mind. You've got to have the same, um, the same goals for your marriage. You've got to be rowing the boat in the same direction. Yeah, and, you know, when we were first married, like, we, we, we argued and fought a lot. Um, basically, because we're two different people. We're learning how to live with one another. I'd never lived with a guy other than my dad. And, you know, my dad and I are pretty similar personality-wise. So, you know, and, and it was hard because we're chemically, we're, we're made different. And God made us different. We're chemically different. We get along differently. And, you know, and it was hard because to, to row in the same direction, especially the first year, because we thought about money different. And so a lot of our first year was arguing about money or the lack of it. And, you know, I, I am a saver and he was a spender. And so it was, it was very stressful and we were both trying to row our boat, but we were trying to go in two separate directions. So we were just sitting there spinning in circles and it led to a lot of arguments and a lot, um, it led to a lot of fights. And what we really needed, we really needed to be in the boat of compromise. I needed to recognize um, how stressful. So at, at the time, Brooke worked for an accounting office. She was a bookkeeper. Um, and so she handled all of our bills and, and things. Um, so I really wasn't paying much attention to the money stuff. Um, I had a debit card. We had money. I wanted a new shirt. <laughs> and so I was definitely... Um, I was definitely a spender and I didn't realize how stressful it was on Brooke when she was paying the bills and seeing that we were spending down to zero every month. Um, and I didn't recognize how foolish it was to not be putting any money in savings or I, I, just, I wasn't fiscally responsible. I wasn't wise with my money back then. Um, I was and part of that, I think was just immaturity. We were, yeah, we were, we were married at 20 years old. Yeah. Um, and I was a dumb kid. Um, but I didn't, I didn't realize how stressful and and how much strain I was putting on our relationship, uh, by my irresponsibility. Um, and I needed to just unclench a little bit, like just let go a little bit and, and, and see that, you know, it is important to, you know, have a little bit in your budget for that kind of stuff, you know, but at the same time, you know, find compromise and, Eventually we got there. Um, now we really don't we never fight, fight about, money. about money. We, we don't. We don't all. ever. Money is never, um, never a fight that we we have anymore. And and I believe it's because we're rowing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm much more responsible now. Uh, we have some long term goals that we're working towards and planning towards. <laughs> um, there's money in our budget that uh, that we you know we set aside every month for going out to eat or, you know, extracurricular fun stuff. You know, we have a little bit of money, you know, fun money, uh, but we have money that we set aside for uh, savings and and specific things. We're much more responsible. And a lot of that comes from doing the bills and the budgeting together. I think that's something that I know that doesn't necessarily work in every marriage, but that's, that's something that worked well for us when we both had a handle and both had a, an eye on what money was going where and when that helped both of us. It helped her to loosen up a little bit and it helped me to be uh, a little more disciplined. Yeah. And, and, uh, the Excel spreadsheet definitely helps that you created. 
I am a nerd. Yes, you did a good job. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because just yesterday, Sarah was like, Mom, I wish we could have bought Yaya and Pop Pop's house. Like, I really miss that big old house. You know, I miss that house. And, and I was like, well, you know, Sarah, Mommy and Daddy have a plan. And our plan goes further than when you guys move out. Like, we plan... You know, we have a long-term plan, and if we would have bought Yaya and Pop Pop's house, we would have had to start over completely financially, and we weren't ready to give up the last 15 years that we've grown towards our retirement, and, you know, sorry, you're going to be stuck with us for the rest of our lives unless you guys move, you know, <laughs> you too, you know, all our neighbors, you know, and so it's like we we have a plan, like we're looking ahead, and, and that's that's biblical too, you know, look ahead. And so, you know, when we, you know, started really talking seriously about it, you know, it was like, well, do we buy a new house and start over? Or, you know, the kids are halfway out, sadly, you know, we'll have two extra rooms, you know? And so it's like, can we live in this house for the rest of our lives? Can we give up wanting more land and more, a bigger house for, stability later in our lives and the answer was yes you know we both we both came to that conclusion that yeah i think that this this makes financial sense you know and it was something that we had discussed a lot a lot and in an agreement and i i would say a compromise because i think you were i really wanted a bigger place with more land yeah and we you know we compromised um but I, so this is just the money thing. That's a practical application of rowing the boat in the same direction. But I think... Go for anything. Um, yeah. But I, I think more importantly, and I think some of this other stuff will fall in line um, as long as we have a God-centered marriage. Mm-hmm. And having a God-centered marriage is a, a, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not something that you really have to struggle and work at getting... It's, it's kind of a natural byproduct of having a God-centered life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you make God the, the center of your, your life, your life, and your spouse makes God the center of their life, the natural byproduct of that is that God is going to be the center of your marriage. And if God's the center of your marriage, you're both going to be rowing the boat in the same direction. You're both going to be exercising the principles of a biblical godly marriage that allow you to make decisions to, together to row the boat in the same direction. Um, you're going to respond to one another with humility and you're going to honor one another and you're going to know how to apologize the right way and you're going to be forgiving one another. That's all part of having a God-centered life and a God-centered marriage. Um, so I hope this morning, that's kind of all we had. Um, yeah. I hope that this was beneficial. It's a out of the box. Yeah, it's definitely out of the box. It was out of the box for us. Yeah. Uh, but I hope it was good. I hope it was a blessing. I hope it was kind of fun. Um, you know, we have some single, you know, young people in the house too. Cause this, and this applies to friendships. You know, practice these, these principles now in friendships, and it'll come easier later on in, in your relationships, in your marriage, and, you know, in, in long-term relationships, you know, I think that, you know, practicing these key, you know, fundamentals and centering God in yourself, you're going to find that those relationships that you're already in can kind of morph, and you'll see people around you change, because you're putting off that 
you're putting off God. You're shining you're, Jesus yeah, you're through. You're shining others. God through. And I think that makes a change in the relationships around you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. That was fun. I've enjoyed it. Hey, good job. <laughs> anyway. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's pray and be dismissed this morning. Lord, we are thankful for the time that we were able to spend together in your house. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for the marriage that you've blessed me with and the spouse that you've blessed me with. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would help all of us to remember um, some of these key principles and, and things that would help not just our marriages, but our, our relationships and, and friendships and all of that. And Lord, we, we thank you again for, um, for allowing us to have the privilege of coming together and to lift up your name and to worship you, uh, to learn of you. And Father, as we leave from this house, God, I pray that you would bless each one of us, help us as we go throughout our week, God, to uh, embrace others and to share that love of Christ that, that you've so richly blessed us with. Help us to share that with others. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning.